Joining me in my summer lair is writer, director, actor, Pat Mills. His first feature film, Guidance, is playing at this year's TIFF. And both screenings are sold out. This is super exciting. If it wasn't radio, I'd give you a high five. The screenings are on Friday, September 5th at 6.30 p.m. at Scotiabank. Saturday, September 6th at 4.30 p.m. also at Scotiabank. So I have a haiku. I'm going to start off with a haiku. Powerful Pat Mills. Silver screen high school angst and ache. Guidance. Bring your flask. What sparked the making of Guidance? A dark <laughs> yeah, writing... Because I knew that the film was going to be really punk rock in the execution, so I was able to be really dark with it, um, that I wouldn't necessarily be able to do on a higher budget mm-hmm. um, movie. So when we initially planned on doing it, we didn't know if we were going to get financing. We were probably going to do it for like five grand, really, really punk rock with friends. And yeah. then we ended up getting telefilm money, which was awesome. And then we were able to you know, elevate everything and do it properly even though let's be honest it was still pretty low budget and punk rock (laughs) (laughs) but so by doing it dark though does that mean that you've kind of removed any like 80s movie teen movie influences or uh, oh god no i mean there's a very 80s montage in the middle of the movie and i've i mean i grew up watching 80s movies and that inspired me to become a filmmaker and i know that's probably not a very popular opinion to have as a filmmaker because everyone is very like art film Mm -hmm. um, oriented but i'm pretty much trash Okay. Yeah. Own that. Own that. Own that. Like <laughs> I love all of those '80s movies. I mean, I always go back. Like for some reason, Working Girl is like the best movie ever for me. I watch it when I'm tired. Okay. What about John Hughes? How about his work? I love John Hughes. Um, I find John Hughes to be a bit on the racist, homophobic, and sexist side when you watch them now. Um, however, even though he didn't direct it, but Pretty in Pink with Molly Ringwald, I oh love yeah. that movie so much. I mean, that it's got a great heart and it's still pretty fun. Do you think that the angst, because you, uh, gu- Guidance is also about teen angst as well. So do you think the angst has evolved from like 80s movies till now, like cinematically, or is it kind of? I think um, teen movies these days have become so commercial and plastic and perfect that I feel like those Breakfast Club characters don't really exist anymore. Mm-hmm. And I would love, I mean, the problem with Breakfast Club is when Ali Sheedy gets her makeover, and I find that, <laughs> like, that's the worst cinematic mistake, if yeah. you ask me. Um, and I just find that all of the teen movies that come out now are so, like, Disney-fied, mm-hmm. and everybody looks like an actor. Yeah. Everybody looks like they've groomed to become famous and perfect. There's no pimples. There's no pimples, and I miss that. And when we were casting Guidance, I really wanted to make the teen characters as plain and as realistic as possible and Zara Bentham who plays Jabrielle in the movie she's like beautiful she looks like a supermodel and I had to try and get a supermodel to look as plain and normal as possible which was a huge challenge because she's beautiful pimples help pimples help you know we should actually get them on like with makeup
So you were talking about how you got the telefilm money to do this. Then um, was it still difficult then balancing, I guess, budget between vision? Oh, definitely. Um, Did you we have? We were really. The thing is, is like the what we we planned on making it really really punk rock, right? Yeah. And then when you get a little money to do it, then you start thinking, okay, well now we have to pay people, and then budget gets taken up in a different kind of way. Mm-hmm. And you know, we did it extra. We did it like more legitimately. And it was constantly a battle between, like, my director's vision and not having the time to do it properly. So it's always a huge challenge. I don't think that's ever going to go away for any director. Yeah. But when you're working on such a low-budget level, um, it was a huge challenge when you're like, oh, my God, we have 20 minutes to shoot a scene. What? <laughs> you know what I mean? I hope I can swear. Am I allowed yeah, to yeah, it's okay. online radio. Yeah, okay, this cool, is not cool. a family show, so awesome. yeah, okay, you can drop whatever. Good. Okay, five-year-olds will not be listening. No, I don't have any five-year-old fans, so. Well, they should start swearing. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you can be inspiration to the youth. There we go. That's what the whole point of the film start is. Start saying fuck you from today. There you go. We have it on the record now. So then, and then, but was there anything in terms of the actual like um, original vision that you had to kind of cut out or compromise when you were sitting down to write it to from shooting it? Like, you had to cut out massive CGI sequences, or... There were some... I had, actually, I had a scene where David, the character that I play, is at a party, Mm -hmm. and he's, like, drinking with all the kids and is passing out with a red cup in his hand, you know? But, Mm -hmm. obviously, we couldn't afford extras to do that anyway. And because you're shooting Actra, you actually have to pay everybody, so we couldn't do that. All right, that's fair. Yeah. And then, how was the experience directing yourself, though? Um, It was a huge challenge. Um, 
thankfully, Allison Richards, who's one of the producers, she's known me since high school, mm-hmm. and we're best friends. So she sat at the monitor because she knew like exactly what I wanted. Yeah. So it was really easy, in a sense, to have somebody that you trust completely with their tastes and and would share your creative vision to be able to nudge me or give me a note, and then I would give the other actors notes. Um, in a certain way, being in the scenes with the other actors was really, really great as a director because we did a lot of improv. So I could throw them some curveballs um, in the scene where I wanted to like change it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And had I had another actor playing the role that I played, he wouldn't have had the authority to do that. So I was able to just kind of manipulate the scenes with from within. Yeah. Was great. You're a big fan of the improv and kind of going off a little bit off the beaten path? Yeah, for sure. It keeps things fresh and alive. And it's just fun to have an authentic reaction Mm -hmm. in the scene. And just doing, like, we shot with two cameras in a lot of the scenes. And just doing it with this one, I've learned that, like, I think I always want to do improv. Yeah. I probably will not become Mike Lee. (laughs) But I just love all of the different. Yeah, and the interplay. For sure. We ended up using a lot of it in the cut. That's really cool. Mm. So out of the three roles, the uh, the actor, the director, and the writing, is there any one that you prefer as a out of the filmmaking process? Or are they all kind of the same to you? Um, I, w- I definitely wouldn't identify as an actor. I kind of, I haven't done any acting since 1991. So mm. I, d- I probably wouldn't put myself in that category, um, though I would do it. But I don't know what that is like without me directing myself because it's been so long yeah i probably um think more like a writer than anything else i love directing i mean it's my favorite thing to be on set it's like a huge party yeah yeah um but i am i'm pretty even though i come across as an extrovert i'm pretty introverted and i find myself thinking about words when i'm out socially you could I s- those are like red light actors sometimes. You know what I mean? They I think Robert De Niro is the same way. Kind of very shy, very boring in real life. But yeah. then when you say action, yeah. off he goes. Are you calling me boring? No, no, no. I'm saying Robert De Niro is boring. I, I think know, that's I'm even kidding, worse. Kidding. So I'm <laughs> yeah. So knowing the people that he might know and things like that, that's probably even worse. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, you're very like unboring. Cool. I'm there I'm you go. I'm totally kidding. Yeah, I know. There you go. <laughs> Actually, I, I like one of the things that you wrote on the uh, film notes uh, for the website, uh, GuidanceTheFilm.com. You wrote, uh, when it was time to go into production, I was ready to take a creative risk. When it became obvious that in order to make the film authentic, I had to take the role of David Gold, the main character, the guidance counselor. I was nervous as hell but excited. It was time to stop playing it safe. I was ready to dive in, risk everything, and open myself up to embarrassment and failure. It's true. And so that's what this week is about. Yeah. And so how's that going then? Was the, r- the risk worth it? And like, I Well, I'll find out after it screens. But mm-hmm. so far, the movie has um, it's done way better than I thought. Like, getting into TIFF is huge. Yeah. And we just signed some distribution deal. Oh, nice. We're going to have a theatrical release. So it's great. I mean, it's already done way better than I thought. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing with any kind of creative thing that you put out there. People, are, people will hate it. Yeah. Somebody is going to hate this movie and think that I'm a hack. And you kind of have to just kind of allow that to not affect you. Like yeah. You just have to kind of take it with all the good the good press. You're going to get bad press and not take it so personally. But yeah. I guarantee it's very, very hard to do. And I mean, I, I'm pretty much – w- a lot of the press that we're getting is people are talking about how I am this character and uh, it's based on me. And it kind of is, but I kind of feel like, I don't know, it could go – 
people might really associate me with this alcoholic who drinks with teenagers, which is not how I actually am, but you never know. I'm opening myself up to embarrassment and failure. That's fair. And we also started with the flash joke right at the top, too. Exactly. So exactly. all this going to get taken out of context, and it's off and running. It's so true. It's true. I mean, so then other than the, the success of the, the film, what, was what did you come out of the experience and as an artist then? Like, did you grow and, like, learn new things? and I learned so much about myself as a creative person in the edit of this movie. I only, I mean, the edit was huge. Mm -hmm. It was months. It was a very long winter. Uh, I sat with my amazing editor, Brian Atkinson, for throughout the entire winter cutting this movie. And I saw, I learned about myself as a writer mm -hmm. while editing. Yeah. I learned myself as a performer while editing and a director. And I learned from my mistakes. We had to fix a lot of my mistakes. But I also ha got a lot of confidence out of it. So yeah. it's like, there's this, it's so funny, I had so many highs and lows in the process of making this movie. It was like super exciting right before we shot. The, the shoot was like a party, it was super fun. I mm -hmm. felt like, oh my God, I meant to be doing this, I'm at the top of my game, it's so amazing. And then it ended, and then when we were editing, I was just, there was all the footage, and I was so overwhelmed, I went super low and depressed, like <laughs> I was Margot Kidder. I was like <laughs> up and down. Yeah. And anyway i just learned a lot from like rebuilding what your excitement mm -hmm. so in the edit it was like trying to make things work and ha we had all this improv and it was kind of overwhelming because there was a lot of footage and then not a lot of footage mm -hmm. and see if it working and you get really insecure and now that i have something that is presentable and showable and people are actually responding to i've learned that you know what i can do this i'm back now yeah but i went through this huge period of being like I am meant to do this. I am a good director. <laughs> I am a good everything. And yeah. then, oh my God, I'm the worst person on the planet. Yeah. And then now I'm back to a more sane level. Editing is hard because it's like, that's it. Like once you've shot everything and you've written everything and like that's, you got to make all these pieces work now somehow. And Jigsaw puzzled them into like a photo. Exactly. And it's so hard because, you know, you you learn filmmaking before your feature with shorts and it's a completely different ball game. Mm -hmm. It's like you have, you want to tell a story in five minutes. It's kind of easy to shape that. Yeah. But when you're telling something in like 90 minutes, you have to think about structure and you have to think of flow and tone and music and everything just becomes this kind of overwhelming monster. Mm -hmm. um, and now I'm so happy with the next film that I know that if I get depressed in the beginning of the editing process, it's just part of the process, and I know I'm going to go through it, and it's not the end of the world because I know I'll come back from it. It's almost like a working method now. For sure. Like, you start off excited, and then this is the depression part, and yeah, then this is... totally, and then you start getting excited when you're close to the fine cut, and yeah. people are liking it, and you're like, okay, okay, everything's everything's going to be okay. I don't need to drown myself in the bathtub. Okay, yeah. there you go. So there's, like, pre-production depression, post-editing, you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, that works, okay. So then, uh, being labeled, I guess, like a gay filmmaker, Canadian filmmaker, any of these labels, they both have baggage and connotations, some good, some bad. Yeah. Do you embrace those labels, or do you not like them as an artist, you find them a little chafing? I don't, I don't mind labels, they're good. You mm -hmm. know, they're for soup cans and people, I don't mind. Okay. All good. <laughs> <laughs> that works then. So you said the film's going to get a theatrical release. Do you know when that is? or? Um, I don't. It's going to be in the new year. Okay. Um, in 2015. Oh, my God. It's 2015? I know. We're in September. It's insane. It's done. Like I'm still stuck in 1989. Yeah. I'm going to grade 8 prom right now, basically. They, re they really rip us off. We were supposed to get, like, moon colony vacations and jetpacks. And I know. Like and the hoverboard. 
the hoverboard, yeah. It's coming out next year, apparently. Okay, so they're giving us something then, but it's still kind of shortchanged a little bit. Totally. Well, if anybody can fix it, I believe you can. I'm gonna, I'm gonna see what I can do. <laughs> so does that mean you're also working? You mentioned working on a new film, then, right? You're going to. When do you hope to begin working on that? I guess after all the excitement. Of In about a year, we're mm -hmm. trying to secure financing for it right now, and it's called Don't Talk to Irene, and it's. Um, You've gone back full circle. Mm -hmm. And now that with guidance, we're hoping that we get enough attention and people are really enjoying it. And we're getting some good reviews with mm -hmm. some good buzz, which is great. And that will help the next project for sure. Okay. So that's going to be a very exciting uh, 2015. you got uh, guidance coming out, working on the new film. Yeah. All right. And going to be playing on my hoverboard. You know okay. What I mean? that's maybe I'll wear my pants inside out like Marty McFly. Oh, bring it back. Yeah. yeah. Do it. Do it. Yeah. Do it. All right, thank you for coming in, and thank way you. to go. I'm really happy and proud that like both screenings for TIFF have sold out. Thank you. And uh, we'll look forward in 20. You have to come back when it opens up in theatrical yeah. release, and totally. then like That'd yeah, sure. and we can like clink flasks. Love it. All right, thank you, Pat Mills. Thanks, Amy.